Here's the thing. Sergeant Ross, this is the most pathetic group of trainees I have ever laid my eyes on. Ladies, my companies are the best trained, the best disciplined soldiers on this base. Huh? Um, <laughs> I hate to interrupt you, but, um, could I speak to you for oh, a sec? my lord, Sergeant, would you look at this? I've seen it, ma'am. <gasps> what's, what's your name, Princess, huh? Judy. Judy. <laughs> Judy Benjamin. Judy Benjamin. Um... <clears throat> I think they sent me to the wrong place. Uh-huh. See, uh, I did join the army, but I joined a different army. Uh-huh. Uh, I joined the one with the condos and the private rooms. <laughs> no, really, my, my, my recruiter, Jim Ballard, told me that... I don't care. That... I don't care what your lousy recruiter told you, Benjamin. Now, I'm telling you, there is no other army. Let me get my shit together what what that could take a long long time yeah yeah so we'll just start this podcast now she's been singing for seven hours <laughs> suck it to me yeah oh just very uh current topical it's topical for what we're talking about today oh it is yeah nice it is oh my god yeah it is i know good call good call welcome welcome everybody to how have you not seen this I'm Daniel Carlson. And I'm Tracy Carlson. And this is a podcast where a husband and wife, which is us, take turns showing the other person movies that they haven't seen yet. I like how he motions to me like you can see me. He's yep. like pointing to me like, I'm going to How many show, fingers am I holding I'll up right now? I'll show you a movie. Internet. I'll show you one. I'm dumb. <laughs> not trained in radio or podcast in any way. Probably we, shouldn't be doing this. But. We are not even amateurs. Nope. But we're proud to be here, damn it. Hell yeah. Serving our country. What else is America for if unskilled people can't just shove themselves into the marketplace with everyone else? Exactly. Merker. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So uh, we hope you had a great week. Um, We showed you last week, we talked about, uh, Daniel showed me the Thin Blue Line, Mm -hmm. which was absolutely incredible. A stone cold bummer, but in the best way. And yeah. and I've had like many feelings about it since. And I'm very glad that I saw it. Good. So I thought maybe I'd lighten the load, cleanse the palate, get a little, you know, little bit lighter this time. Sure. And so I decided to show him a movie that is celebrating its 40th birthday 40th anniversary yeah 40th anniversary yes daniel said he he was like it'd be great if we could like do you know anniversary movies or you know the Mm -hmm. director turned 60 this year i don't know whatever right somebody is dead i whatever yeah um i I said that somebody's dead (laughs) so which it's always neat to think about you know those round number anniversaries and when you realize oh this came out 40 years ago or 30 years ago. For it's, sure. You know. For, and I actually, I planned on showing him this, not realizing that it was the 40th anniversary. And so that was just a bonus. Word. And the film is uh, 1980s Amazing Private Benjamin, starring the effervescent Goldie oh, Hawn. Yeah. Good call. Very effervescent. She is really ridiculously charming. Like you watch this, you see, oh, that's why she's famous. That's why yes. a person becomes famous. Like, she is incredibly watchable, incredibly charming. She's great in this. Yes. And if you mm-hmm. didn't know what the Sakatumi was, it was because she started off in Laugh-In, Rowan yeah. Martin's Laugh-In. Exactly. And she, was she one would of the... go, Sakatumi! Yep. You just did a little dance that no one could see. I did. But I think they knew that I was dancing. Yep. And Laugh-In, of course, famous because uh, the mailbox was Haldeman. And it's a Haldeman yes, joke. it is a Haldeman mm-hmm. joke. Yep. Excellent callback. Nice. Um, um, real quick, I just, do just want to share... Uh, Speaking of 1980, other movies that are celebrating their 40th anniversary this year because uh, Private Benjamin was one of the biggest grocers of that year. Yes, which I would have told you. I was going to, just because I was, well, I was going to, sorry, go ahead and tell me. Mm. I made a mistake. I apologize, everyone. It... Uh, the budget for it was around 15 million and it grossed, it made 70 million. So... That is insane. That's a lot of kashish. That's like a... For a little indie five movie, times? which yeah. it was, that's a yeah, that's like five times its uh its box o- its 
budget in the box office, which it, is insane. Well, it was a first-time exec producer, Goldie Hawn, and a first movie for writer Nancy Myers. Yep. Do you know a film about an old rich lady in a kitchen? Mm-hmm. Do you know a film with Diane Keaton, who's fumbling around about which hot man to pick? Yep, that's Nancy Myers. Then you know a Nancy Myers film. Your mom loves Nancy oh Myers. My God, your mother is so crazy. You about probably Nancy Myers. couldn't care less if you saw a Nancy Myers movie on a plane. You would fall asleep and be like, "That was a fine way to." fall asleep but nancy myers soothes your mother nancy oh. myers makes your mom fucking she's so, such a fan if all your mom had was the bbc and nancy myers she would be the happiest woman in she'd the world. never leave the house no we'd have no. to call the authorities to check give on her, her her white wine with her ice cubes in it and mm. let her just fucking watch nancy myers it's got to be complicated why is it got to be different something's got to be new whatever they're, they're all called stuff yep, like that yep they're too afraid to go for the they're too afraid to go for the keanu reeves character that that boy's too young he'll break my hip yep. jack nicholson now that's a man exactly yeah Yep, mm-hmm. that's Nancy Myers. Yep. So God uh, bless her. Yeah, it was it was a really popular movie. I mean, fifteen million is is good size budget back then, and making seventy, making well, especially s- since they had to go to Paris. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of location shooting. Yeah. Um, because as we'll talk about, a big chunk of the movie takes place in Paris, and they don't like fake it with like a second unit, and then like have a studio stuff. Like they're on location Word. a lot. But seventy million in nineteen eighty is like two hundred million today, and this is. A comedy, you know, based on a fresh idea. Like, this mm-hmm. was like the Bridesmaids level hit of its year. Yep. I was looking at other movies from 1980. Of course, the biggest grocer from 1980 was The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Also turning 40 this year. And then number uh, on the top 10 list, this is from Wikipedia. Um, number one, Empire Strikes Back, which domestically grossed like 200 million. Do we have to talk about what they each gross? No, I was just going to say like 200 million is, is insane today. Yes. But yes. back then, like... Just double that more. So well, it was the best of all the movies. It was the best. It is, still is. Uh, number two was nine to five, which is just I. There's so, so many good. movies that I showed him before we started this. Yeah, that I'm mm-hmm. so mad because I would show him this in two seconds. It's one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah, I hadn't seen that until I was a grown up person and married, and she showed it to me, and it was awesome. Yep. Uh, number three was Stir Crazy. Number four was Airplane. Number five was Any Which Way You Can. Number six, Private Benjamin. Number seven, Coal Miner's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Number eight, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Mm-hmm. Number nine, The Blue Lagoon. Dirty movie. And number 10, The Blues Brothers. Okay. That is a weird top 10. You that know what? There was weird... something for everybody in that. Yeah, that is... I don't think any two of those are alike I think anyway. I, I like that. There's something for everybody. Yeah, so that was 1980 at the box office. But yeah, Private Benjamin was a huge hit when it yes. came out. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, it came out in October, so she's still 39. Yeah, she's almost there. She's still 39, and don't you dare say she's 40. Yeah, just okay. Give her, give her We're the... not talking about it yet. She's got a few months. And if we see a black balloon, you're dead. None of that over-the-hill stuff. Right? That's so... 40 is the new 30. It's so 80s. Like, oh boomers did that shit, you know? Oh, my God. I don't even want to hear it. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about the movie. Yes. Would you like for me to give you the rundown or would you like to tell me why haven't you you know yeah i'll do that first i'll tell you why i haven't seen it how have you not seen this i have not seen this or had not until recently because i just never felt interested or thought it looked worth like checking out which is a thing Mm -hmm. i totally own valid Uh, Valid. i was actually doing some 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 brief research and skimming of goldie hahn's filmography on imdb when we were getting ready to do this and i realized that I've known who Goldie Hawn is my whole life. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. She was incredibly famous by then. She was a huge star. You know, I know who Goldie Hawn is. And yet, I had never actually seen a Goldie Hawn movie. That blows my mind. I knew of them, knew of tons. Uh, I remember, you know, one of the ones that popped out on the filmography was in 1996. The first Wives Club came out. I was like 14 Woo-hoo! that year. So, you don't own me. Yeah. I mean, me as a freshman in high school, I was like, not really the target demo no. for First Wives Club. I was. But well aware of the movie and its popularity and its profile. It was a big thing. So I've always known who Goldie Hawn is. And I've known about Private Benjamin, Sugarland Express, all sorts of stuff. But I've actually never seen a Goldie Hawn movie until this, which was crazy to realize. 
So I think it's because I just, I learned about it. It's one of those movies like, oh, Goldie Hawn is famous. This is one of her early ones. You know, this comedy about a woman who joins the army. And I was like, okay, that's that sounds cute. But like, I never really felt a desire or an interest to go back and check it out. And so I just never really felt compelled to to investigate it. But I'm really glad I got totally, to see it finally. Totally valid. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a house where I guess my parents loved Goldie Hawn. And I thought my mom looked like Goldie Hawn when I was little, um, which she super appreciated. Like when she was young, I was like, hey, you look like Goldie Hawn. She's like, you're my favorite. Right. But then when she when I got older, I was like, you remind me of Carol Burnett. She's like, I like your sister more. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that was like a huge. Say the other one again. That was a huge compliment, by the way, in my eyes to say that my mom reminded me of Carol Burnett. That was like the compliment. But oh, she you mean did not... the funniest lady of the 20th century? Yeah, yeah. she didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. So we were a big, big Goldie Hawn uh, family. I saw everything. Private Benjamin, Cactus Flower, which she won an Academy Award for. Wildcats, Overboard, you name it. Protocol. Protocol is one of my all-time favorites when she when she has to dress as an emu. Bird I, on a something. Bird on a wire. Mel Gibson seen right. it many times. There are there's not a movie of hers that I have not seen so many times that I can quote it. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about that is we've talked about this a couple times. One, you know, you're five years older, so we each had little different subgenerations of movies that we saw as kids, and also. As kids in our generation, you were subject to the whims of your parents. Absolutely. And when they wanted to take you to the movie theater or Blockbuster or felt like it. It's so hard to fucking talk about this without sounding like back in my day. It's really challenging. But oh, go ahead the, and say it. the abundance of streaming options that people have now, that kids have now on built-in platforms like Netflix, Hulu, Prime Video, and stuff they can even easily rent through those is amazing and like dwarfs the options we had in the 80s and 90s as kids so i when i watched uh private benjamin i was like this is a really cute fun comedy that i totally could have seen myself seeing as a a kid a younger person in like middle school or high school and yet didn't just because it was one of those things it just wasn't it was on cable yeah it just wasn't but it wasn't like on my radar because it just wasn't one of those movies that was on the radar of our household yeah you know just one of those weird Your things parents weren't han fans I guess not. Or maybe they were. I don't know. We just never saw this. So it just, you know, when I... Steve and Eileen, what's going on? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Hey, y'all. Hey, mom and dad. Um, So, yeah, basically, when it was the, you know, when I was a kid in the early to mid 90s, it was basically, can you get your parents to take you to the video store? And what do you want them to rent? And what can you get away with renting? And um, so, yeah, I just never really crossed my radar. Yeah, we would would rent um, either the beach movies, if you were with my mom, Mm -hmm. Annette and Frankie. Uh, or if you were with my dad, you rented, um, you know. The Breakfast Club. No. no oh, my God. My father. Are you yeah, kidding me? Uh, uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, which is another which great is one. one of his all-time favorite movies. Exactly. And uh, it's also funny because at that, as a kid, it's what you can get away with renting, too. Yes. Because your parents are there. They drove you. You can't just be like, I'm going to rent this. Don't don't look at the box. Don't worry yourself. Like, yep. it's whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, I remember, like, wanting to rent stuff at, like, age 14 or 15 yeah but i'm there with my parents i'm like i'm not gonna get away with renting this at all yeah so no it's not until you can drive yourself to hollywood video hypothetically and rent femalian and then go home that you just live your life i don't want to think about that that. you and femalian it's a real movie i don't doubt it (laughs) I was 16. Yeah, I know. I don't want to think about that. Your brother-in-law's with you, though. Your, your brother-in-law's going, yes, Respect. Better. Respect. Mm-hmm. Femalian. Uh, all right, I'm going to give you the plot of Private Benjamin, and here's the deal. I'm going to give you the detailed plot, which we don't normally do for time reasons, but mainly also because we want you to like go see the movie and enjoy it. But this one is 40 years old. 39. Okay, yeah. she's 39 years old. And, you know, you've had plenty of time. Yeah. And also, to really talk about it, we need to talk about it. Like, we need to, we need you to know the details. Yeah, it's a... It's not going to ruin it. You'll still no, love it's, it. it's a cute movie. But the, the structure is weird. It definitely feels like a bunch You're of... You're weird. Okay, not in a bad way. Fine, better words. The structure is unexpected. Okay. Or uncommon. In terms of where it starts and stops and, and what winds up happening. Because a lot goes on in the movie. So yeah, we're going to talk about the whole thing. Yes. Sorry I said it was weird. 
So here we go, here we go again on my own. Da da dum dum. Yeah. Um, White Snake. <laughs> Tony Katane. <gasps> Callback. That was fucking great. Callback. Bachelor party. All right. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> Is anyone still listening at this point? Uh, the computer's not plugged in, so. <laughs> Check to make sure it is. I'm now worried. Okay, now, <laughs> no, we're we're recording. Yay. We're recording. Uh, all right, so here we go. Here we go. And um, I want to say we had uh, this cast is packed with awesome people and awesome '80s people. And I recommend that you either from me telling you or go to Wikipedia and look some of them up, and you'll be like, oh, hey, it's that guy, because you'll remember them from stuff that you've seen in the '80s if you were alive in the 80s some of you weren't and i don't judge you for that um a little bit you're young and uh and i hope you stay pretty and unlined forever mortality's coming for you just fucking get used to it it is you're gonna get so tired in the mornings you won't even know why absolutely not you're gonna make noises when you you're get gonna up. wear cpap just like the rest of us yeah just just embrace it yep yep I digress. <laughs> Here we go. Talk about movies on this. I think right? so. Fucking, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know. It's fine. We're fine. I'm fine. Are you? Sure. Okay. Ooh, soda. Uh, all right. Judy Benjamin, played by Goldie Hawn, a 28-year-old Jewish woman from a sheltered, wealthy upbringing. I grew up with many of these girls, whose lifelong dream is to marry a professional man, joins the U.S. Army after Yale Goodman, her new husband, adorably played by Albert Brooks in this little cameo, just hysterical, dies on their wedding night during sex. Gross. Adrift, Benjamin tells her story on a radio call-in show and meets an Army recruiter, SFC James Ballard, played by Harry Dean Stanton, who Daniel believes was born at 60 years old and just aged from there. This movie is 40 years old, and Harry Dean Stanton already looks very old. Yeah, and I think he just died this year or last year. He died recently. He really, I think he maybe didn't live, live a super long time or like he lived a long time, but... Very much one of those kind of road hard, hard living kind of guys. He was in Twin Peaks. He was in Twin Peaks, yeah, which was 2017 or 18. Yeah, so yeah. he lived a long time. I'm going to look it up. Look it up while I'm talking. Uh, blah, 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 James Ballard, who uh, leads her to believe that military life will provide the family she seeks. He also lies and tells her that the service is glamorous, comparing it to a spa vacation. Who the fuck believes that? Our little precious Judy Benjamin. Okay, I got it real quick. Okay, tell us. Harry Dean Stanton was born July 14th, 1926. Holy crap. And died September 15th, 2017 at the age of 91. Okay, so the man had a life. So yeah, like 26. So by the time that he was already in his mid-50s. See? Okay. Which is why he looks like he's in his mid-50s. There you go. So he's, by the time he was like famous to people of our generation for these movies he appeared in, he was already like... A very mature man who'd, like, seen shit. Do you remember, though, when we saw him as a child in that movie with Bing Crosby? I think it was with Bing Crosby. And he was a little boy, and he was so cute. Yes. He was, Uh, like, edible. He served in the Navy in World War II. Well, God bless him. Anyway, back to the thing. Back to the thing. So he compares it to a spa vacation. And she's like, well, I could get, I could use a rest and blah, blah, blah. And she says, what do I do if I don't like it? And he says, quit. It's like any other job. Oh, my goodness. Uh, She has a rude awakening upon arriving at basic training. Judy wants to quit almost immediately and is astonished to learn that she cannot, contrary to the assertions of her recruiting sergeant. Army regulations and the continuing disapproval of both Captain Doreen Lewis, played with scene-chewing gloriousness by Eileen Brennan, and SFC Elsie Ross, played by Hal Williams, her drill sergeant, frustrate her. But when Judy's parents, Sam Wanamaker and Barbara Berry, arrive at Fort Biloxi to take her home, she decides to stay and finish basic training. And that is a scene that breaks my heart. Uh, it's the scene, if you see the movie poster, it, that's the scene. That's what she looks like in it. And her father is calling her stupid and i don't mean like you made a stupid decision but you're you're just a stupid person how could you do this to your parents haven't we done enough for you 
Haven't we given you everything you ever wanted? Did I get you a car on your 16th birthday? Did I get you into college? Did I bail you out of your first marriage to that schmuck, did I? Teddy, relax. I am relaxed! Why are you punishing us, hmm? Maybe you hate us. I don't hate you. I love you. You were never a smart girl. Now, we're all going to stop pretending now. You are obviously incapable of making your own decisions. All right. Starting tomorrow, I do not let you out of my sight. And she's got Captain Lewis there, just like, you're garbage. I mean, like, everyone's just like, you're a dumb piece of shit. Yeah. Now come home and continue to be a dumb piece of shit. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm in the army and I'm going to stay. So she decides to stay and finish basic training, which she does with distinction after a war games exercise where her squad exposes an affair between a member of her training platoon and an officer from another company with whom Lewis had also been having an affair. And that officer was none other than Craig T. Nelson. Which Coach. You, you said like woof at him a few times, which I did not know that you he, were. Oh, I have always a T fan. been a coach fan. Wow. Big old man. That's a yeah. big man. I know. Yeah, I get it. I understand. He could pick me up. Yep. There's a lot of um, affairs happening in the army in this, which seems... I don't think it's legal. ...ill-advised. Don't they call it, like, fraternization? Uh, I think... You know what? If you're in the army, none of you ever say anything. I don't know why I'm saying this, but... Oh, I maybe they do. I haven't checked the email account in a while. If you're... Oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> Please email us. Jesus. <laughs> Check the email account. Or, or also, please just tweet at us at not seen this pod. Tweet or Instagram I'm or I'm on whatever. Twitter way too much. What is wrong with you? So much. Uh, Sorry. So if you're in the Army or you have been in the Army or you know someone who's in the Army, let us know because I, I know that you're not allowed to have an affair with... Like, married people are not allowed to have affairs. Sure. Um, yeah, but like uh, the the thing is, um, she said you said they give such so and so the boot, the little private Winters or whatever her name is. is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They catch her fucking Craig T, and they don't throw her out. They don't kick her out. They just like breeze past it, which seemed weird when she gets know. caught having sex with him and like paraded in front of people. You think, oh, she's gonna get drummed out now because that's probably against some rule. No, but I doubt she made OFC, which is what she wanted. Still, it's like OCS, halfway through. OCS. Yeah, officer candidate school, OCS. Yeah. yeah. It's weird that she like, it's halfway through basic training and she's like, I'm sleeping with this guy and they just like, well, we'll call that strike one. You can go back to, it's just weird. I thought they'd kick her out. I'd get up on it. Yeah, okay. Okay. So they expose them, blah, blah, blah. And they take the leaders of both sides hostage. Upon completion of basic training, they get a break. They get like a weekend break, which is super fun. They go into Biloxi, um, which is a happening town. I did not know, although I really try to drive as fast as I can through Mississippi. You know, Biloxi blues. Um, Judy meets Henri Tremont. It's America. Say Henry. Bonjour. Played by Armand Asante, who is so good looking. It's not right. It's not right. There are men in France where you're like, I mean, I was just there in November and I was like, you're not right. Go, you, you go away because you should not look like this. He is a French doctor who is in Biloxi for a medical conference. They uh, have a brief romance. They hook up. Yeah. What? That's what that means. They hook up. Uh, Henri returns to Paris and Judy enters training for the Thornbirds, an elite paratrooper unit. Now, she looks adorable in her uniform. Does. We do love her. She thinks, like, oh my gosh, I got this great position. I'm a fucking thorn bird. Um, But then she realizes she has to jump out of a plane. She's terrified. She quickly finds out she was chosen for paratrooper training because the unit's commander finds her attractive. After the other trainees have taken their parachute jump, he attempts to sexually assault her on the plane. He attempts to rape her on the plane. Yeah, he doesn't just make a pass at her. Yeah, it's he throws her throws her down and takes his starts taking his clothes off and says, "I'm going to take you now, Benjamin." Mm-hmm. Um, which, Always what you want to hear from a superior officer three miles in the air. Which I have to say is goddamn terrifying. It is. It's weird. 
Uh, so she jumps out of the fucking plane. She loses, She is not afraid anymore and jumps out of the plane. And hooray for her. When she refuses to comply, he attempts to have her transferred as far away from Biloxi as soon as possible. Rather than accept what she sees as an undesirable post in Greenland or Guam. This, by the way, reminded me of... I want him on a plane to Alaska. Mail him his clothes. Mail him his clothes. Mail him his clothes. Mission Impossible. I want him manning a tower. Isn't that manning a radar tower? Man, manning a yeah, radar tower in Alaska. By the end of the day. By the end of the day. We'll mail him his clothes. Kittred, you've never seen me very upset. You've never seen me very upset. Mission Impossible. The other team. Why? This whole operation was a mole hunt. Sorry, I'll stop. <laughs> Rather than accept what she sees as an undesirable post in Greenland or Guam because her hair freezes, she negotiates an assignment to Shape in Belgium. She's strategic homeland uh, allied supreme headquarter supreme headquarters allied powers Europe. There we go. It's the headquarters of NATO's allied command operations. Snap. In Belgium. And who else gets a job there? Unbeknownst to Benjamin, but Captain Doreen Lewis. Dun, dun, dun. dun. Eileen Brennan from earlier. Eileen Brennan, who, oh my God, you guys. Like, she got a fucking Academy Award nomination for this role because she is so fucking hilarious. And you're not really seeing it in my little... She's good. We'll talk about her. But she's amazing. Um... Meets up with Henri again on a visit to Paris. They start dating. They start having this like da 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 da. You know, very Parisian. And they're seeing all the sights. And Daniel's yelling, "I've been there! I've been mm. there!" And she's also they're also cutting it in with um, her doing all this great stuff at Shape. And she's writing letters to her friends. And she's basically leading what I would consider the perfect life. Meanwhile, Captain Lewis is spying on her and spying on Henri. And so she goes, she gets their her superior officer and they go to Benjamin and they're like, this dude's a commie. And it turns out that he became a communist for a week because of his creepy ex-girlfriend, Claire, who I still in love with. Who hasn't become a communist for a girl at one point? I asked you to do it, Done it. and you did it. I did it and I got a lot of letters and investigated by the FBI and had to change back. So you're welcome. We're not communists. Probably. Although I think I'm a member of Sinn Féin, but that was an accident. Again, accident. Anyway... So uh, they say to her, you can have the boy or you can have the army because you can't be with a communist. And unfortunately, she chooses the boy because at her heart, she still hasn't broken away. She needs therapy. She hasn't. We all need therapy. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, And she hasn't quite broken away from that. You need a man thing. Or woman, or... Partner. Part, thank you. Mm-hmm. So she ends up with Henri. Uh, she chooses him. She gets engaged. Uh, she discovers his controlling side. He tries to remake her, has her wearing these ridiculous clothes, dyes her hair this really awful shade of orange, and um, insists that she sign a prenup agreement in French to protect his family home held for centuries. Uh, and that scene really affected Daniel. He'll talk about that later. So then on their wedding day, she is just, she has completely reverted back to the Judy of old, just only worried about the tablecloths, worried about this, you know, my gown, my hair, my whatever. Um, She's accused Henri in the past of sleeping with a maid. She's, She's just, it's like she's the Judy of old, but she's got some of the new Judy in her and it's, you really see the battle there. Yeah. She definitely is asking more questions and is more independent than she used to be. Yes. But she also really still wants to get married and is like lying to herself about her doubts. Yes. And Henri does not like when she questions him Mm -hmm. at all. I would only question him when he was fully dressed and not when he was wearing the super short soccer shorts. Yeah, you were into those. If he wore the super short soccer shorts and was like, "Do you must do this, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, you, you yelled a lot about his legs. Oh, the legs. Yeah. I yell about your legs. You were in like the middle of a scene, you'd be like, look at those thighs. I'm like, oh, geez. Well, I yell that about your thighs. It's true, you do. You have great legs. Thank you. So wedding day comes. Where is Henri? Where is he? 
First of all, okay, they think he's off playing soccer, which is dumb and weird. Why are you playing soccer? The more he plays soccer every weekend, and so it's like his wedding day, and he's like, he's off playing soccer. Skip a day, skip a game. Your teammates will clearly your teammates are at the wedding. Be okay with it. They're like, oh, you're getting married today. Well, I guess you. It's okay if you can't play soccer. You know, yeah, weird. So his teammates show up to the wedding, and they're like, he missed the game, and she's like, uh, WTF? So then she's just panicked, you know, scared. He shows up, turns out he's been with Claire all day, his ex-girlfriend. Um, oh, supposedly her boyfriend beat her up and he had to take care of her and clean her house and, you know, do her dishes. Right. And meanwhile, you have Judy, who has been doing everything for this man, picking up his clothes, taking his dog to the vet, doing his dishes, this and that. And she's like, you did her dishes? And he is completely, I don't know what the problem is. Like, I'm here. What's the deal? And she's like, the deal is you were with your ex-girlfriend all day on our wedding day. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah. Like, what? Crazy. So, we come to the end. What's going to happen? She walks down the aisle with him. He starts delivering his vows. Everything's in French, which I also think is fucked up. Yeah, um, like the the minister's speaking in French. I mean, I understood. Not, I'm not even a translator. But like, there are half the people there are, you know, American. Fuck off, man. And she starts seeing flashes in his face. She sees a flash of her father yelling at her. She sees a flash of her drill sergeant yelling at her. She sees a flash of of Henri, you know, yelling at her about the prenup. She just, and, and she just sees these flashes. And, and then, boom, she realizes, like, holy shit. And she says... This is a bad time, I know, but we're breaking up. His first reaction, shock. You're upset. I'll give you a sedative. Everything's fine. His second reaction is the one that made Daniel fling his arms into the air, which is, yes, I slept with the maid. It was one night when you were being crazy. We'll fire her after the wedding. Yeah, that was his gambit. He's like, how can I talk my wife back to the altar she's currently trying to abandon me at? How about, instead of doing what I can to reassure her or calm her down, placate her, whatever, I will A, admit to cheating on her, with B, the maid, whom C, she already accused me of cheating on her with, mm-hmm. D, blame it on, quote, her being crazy that one night, Yeah. E, say we can solve the problem by just firing the maid after the wedding. Yeah. That yeah. was his whole, the whole plan. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you think that was going to work, man? Yeah. yeah. And it, of course, does not work. It does not work. So he goes to the next logical step i'm doing quotes in the air and starts humiliating slash insulting her basically calling her a whore you picked up men in bars i was gonna give you a great life you're you know you're so fucking stupid and that's when she turns around and just cold cocks him which is great and she says don't call me stupid and then walks out throws her veil in the air and walks down walks down the street i mean down the road mm-hmm. and that's the end yep roll credits and they're playing the da 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 they're playing the theme and you're just like fucking a like yeah you don't know where she's going but you know that she knows who she is now and she's not going to be anybody's she's not going to be anybody's bitch She's not stupid. She's an independent, smart woman. And it's great. And I fucking love it. So now Daniel is going to tell us what he thought. Yes. I thought it was funny. Back to you. Okay. No. Um, I, have, <laughs> I have more. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was a really Shit, fun... I have a lot. I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, I thought it was a really fun, uh, funny comedy. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I saw it. It's funny. As I was watching it, especially toward the beginning... I found myself... Hercules, hush, dude. Hercules really liked the movie. I found myself thinking of uh, Stripes, which makes sense. It came out a little later, around yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah. And it's a, another movie about, you know, hapless people winding up in the armed forces. Say and my favorite through, line. Lighten up, Francis. Lighten up, Francis. He says that to our animals all I the do, time. I do, all the time. Um, but, you know, Stripes is a really great one-hour movie and then a really dumb, like, 40-minute movie stapled onto it like yep stripes is, is great but anytime anybody like quotes or reminisces or remembers something from stripes they are talking about the first part where they're all in basic training together yep and dealing with their lives and then they graduate 
and the movie runs out of steam immediately. There's no air in the tires. So they're like, what do we do? I guess send them to Europe, and they have, like, a wacky adventure with, like, a high-tech RV, and they, like, hook up with the MP girls they've been chasing. I don't know. Like, it's just, it is so, so much worse than the first part of the movie. Uh, And so I was worried that something like that might happen in Private Benjamin because, you know, it starts off introducing a lot. Like, it sets up a lot in that just that first Mm -hmm. bunch of scenes, like, opening up with who she is and what she deals with and the kind of person she is, and then her husband dies, and then... She winds up, you know, drifting into the army almost on a whim. And uh, so much of the movie up front is about this focus of her in basic dealing with this combative captain, you know, that back and forth relationship, et cetera. And then she decides to like recommit when her family just calls her weak and tries to get her out. And she says, no, I'm going to stick with this. She goes through, she finishes basic, graduates, et cetera. So I thought that would be like the movie, the focus of the movie. But then she graduates and there's like, half the movie to go so i was i didn't know quite how it would work or pull that off because i wasn't expecting there to be that much more story that was that different so it took me kind of a while to kind of get into get into that like lock into that groove once she was done but still kind of getting into the the shape stuff and the thornbird stuff but i liked it i thought it was really funny and i thought they did a good job because as opposed to stripes which is just a, a goofy comedy about these guys in the army and so that's all it is this has more actual drama and characterization and good performances mixed in with the comedy. So the script and Goldie Hawn's performance can carry more than you would get in like just a purely breezy comedy. So she actually goes through a lot of stuff and like learns about herself and recommits and becomes more independent and and self self confident and things like that. Like the scene where she gets served with the prenup papers by Henri is really rough. Like she's really hurt by it and shocked and says, Hey, this isn't going to be us. This isn't really a problem. And he, you know, insists and it gets kind of defensive. He's like, I'm not going to give you half of my house. It's been in my family forever. Like just sign the papers. And it's not played for laughs in any way. No. Um, and she performs it really you well. feel really uncomfortable. Yeah. She acts it really well. And the scene ends with, you know, she signs the papers very reluctantly, but then he takes it back and he tries to play it off and make sure everything sounds okay. And he's like, thanks, babe. Where do you want to go for dinner tonight? But like, she doesn't really respond. It kind of ends in like a, a tough, ambiguous way. Uh, which is more than you would get in in a comedy like something like Stripes, just like a, a goofball kind of body comedy. So there's definitely more to it than that, which which I thought was really well done and really really interesting, and I appreciated a lot of. Mm-hmm. Something I found myself thinking about a lot too was you know it's 40 years old, came out in 1980, and it is starring a woman, executive produced by a woman, and scripted primarily by a woman, and so the screenplay is really really sexually honest and sexually forthcoming about yeah. these women's. Um, sexual histories and, and, and lives and yeah like and it mentions these things and talks about these things in such a direct way that would even be noticed and applauded today you know so especially 40 years ago it felt very progressive and cutting edge and like talking honestly about adult sexual relationships in a comedy yeah. in 1980 yeah. and again this is just a little more than 10 years after the really strict morality rules that had governed Hollywood since its inception finally crumbled. They started crumbling in the 60s and they 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 went away in like 67, 68. So this is not long after that that this movie comes out and is just a light year's jump from movies you would have seen in the 60s, 60s or even part of the 70s when it's really frank depiction and discussion about these relationships. There's one scene where when uh, Benjamin's in basic training she and um, her squad are doing like these artificial war games and she's camping out overnight with her girls and they all pass around a joint and talk about their like history of like first guys they slept with their first orgasm things like that which yeah. you would not you would not get in a lot of movies especially 40 years ago so i thought that was really cool and awesome and it felt really funny and real and authentic yeah and um, she didn't feel the need to lie. What I loved is she didn't, none of them felt the need to lie. Like the yeah. little nerdy one was mm-hmm. like, I had one when I was, when I was, yeah, she was funny. Whatever. Yeah. But I was by myself. Yeah. And they're like, that's okay. Yeah, they're like passing around a joint and yeah. she's like, I had an orgasm once. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. They all clap for She's like, I was by myself though. And they're yeah. like, oh, come on. That was really funny. It's, um, I mean, it's great. But Goldie Hawn yeah. admits that she had never had one before. Yeah. And so, so I mean, I was like, uh-huh. go, girl. Yeah. So, uh, so I liked a lot. Uh, I liked a lot about the story and the characters and the performances and the, that arc of Judy Benjamin kind of discovering herself and, and coming into her own. I found myself wishing that the screenplay had done maybe some different things or been a little 
tighter in some areas just because uh, the natural uh, dynamic between Benjamin and Captain Lewis is great. Like they're they're back and forth. Uh, Benjamin is, of course, really, really spoiled at first. And Lewis is like not having to choose her, her up. But in a really funny way. Yeah. But then over time develops what Judy. looks like a grudging respect because Benjamin recommits and doesn't want to leave the army and decides to, you know, dig in and finish basic. I don't think she, she develops seems, a respect for her at all. Well, she seems all. slightly more tolerant, I should say. And so it, it winds up with them kind of ending on still as like rivals because Benjamin uh, puts some blue dye in uh, Lewis's shower head uh, the night before graduation and winds up getting her all covered in this blue dye and paint. And so then Lewis meets up with her again at Shape and is like, I'm going to drum you out of here and, you know, forces the ultimatum of do you choose Shape or your commie boyfriend? And, you know, she quits Shape and chooses the boyfriend who she will then, of course, go on to dump and leave at the altar in an act of empowerment. But that's the last time we see Eileen Brennan as Captain Lewis is in that scene where she, like, basically gets Judy to quit her job at Shape. And it sucked because they had such an interesting relationship and, and combative chemistry and this rivalry between them that, that had started at basic and gone on to this now new location. I was disappointed that we didn't get more of like a rounded ending for their storyline or that aspect of their relationship. So I agree with you for that. Um, and only that. That's fine. No, I agree with you. Um, I can tell you that it's very easy to read why she hated her. You have a woman, and you can see in the very beginning when they first meet each other, uh, you have a woman who's been given, literally been given, handed everything she's ever wanted on a silver platter her entire life, and now she's in the army, and so Doreen's going to just fucking ride her ass. Then when she thinks she's going to get rid of her, she's like, no, I'm going to stay. And she's like, God damn it. So, So then... You have the war games, and she has her patrolling a swamp, which she thinks is just going to be a shit job. And they basically happen upon the blue teams. And it is Benjamin's, you know, plan and everything. That helps them win the games. That helps them win the games. But I guarantee you that what the captain is thinking is... She fucked the the princess fucking fell into it again and she got and she and she got what she wanted because she's pretty and then she gets, you know, flown off by Captain Thornbird who tells who berates the captain in front of everybody. Yeah, him berating her was, was a weird move. Colonel Thornbird. Yeah, and I thought uh, that uh, the Thornbird guy was gonna not do that. But I also thought that when Benjamin and her squad mates come back to base leading the enemy team and have won that that might have been the beginning of like some grudging respect on Lewis's behalf. But then it read to me like she almost would have been okay with it. But then, you know, when Benjamin and her squad mates come up, they open the back flap of their truck and out comes Craig T. Nelson and the private he was sleeping with. And Craig T. was also sleeping with Captain Lewis, who is like embarrassed and pissed. And it read to me like she took her anger out at being jilted on Benjamin and the squad mates. Possible, yes. And so it read to me like she, she was... She gets super drunk and then yeah, shows up and yeah. is like, you have to clean your entire with, barracks. Yeah. And... It read to me like she was pissed because she thought she really had something with Craig T. Nelson, who is caught banging this other person. And so she feels sad and angry and embarrassed. And so she gets drunk, yells at Benjamin and her, and her squad, who then pull a prank on her and put the dye in her shower, and that's the end yeah. of it. So it... Definitely read kind of both ways at once, which was yeah. weird. But yeah, I just wish we had more of like yeah. around it out. I mean, it's funny uh, to go back to Stripes too. Like Sergeant Hulka was their guy that they had that that brutal relationship with, and they didn't know where to go with that, so he just got blown up. Yeah, well, he got blown up, and then they graduated training, and then that when was in it. doubt, so yeah. blow a man up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we see more. I it's been so long since I watched it. They had a uh, an Emmy and Golden Globe award winning TV show. Um, from 1981 to 1983. Based on the movie. Based on the movie. Eileen Brennan and Hal Williams both reprised their roles. And then Benjamin was played by... Um, hang on, it's right The lady here. from Airplane, the right? The lady from Airplane, which is kind of a weird callback considering Airplane was Oh, that is movie. weird. Lorna Patterson. She was the cute blonde flight attendant who played the guitar. So she plays Benjamin in the TV series. And I don't know if maybe Eileen Brennan won something in that. Sure. But mm-hmm. uh, who knows? Maybe their relationship was repaired. Then 
we don't know. It's just a flaw in the movie. Yeah. Benjamin was nominated for Academy Awards for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Goldie Hawn, Best Actress in a Supporting Role, Eileen Brennan, and screenplay written directly for the screen, Nancy Myers, Charles Shire, and Harvey Miller. So it was not overlooked by any means. No, and it's awesome also when comedies get nominations. I love that. I concur. It doesn't happen enough. I concur. It's just so easy nowadays for everything to just be the Oscar bait. I wanted to say... (laughs) Uh, that I was also raised in a sheltered, wealthy upbringing. I mean, I don't know wealthy. I don't like that word. Uh, It was very sheltered upbringing, Um, except that my father was the reverse of hers. Instead of being like, you're stupid and I have to take care of you. My dad was like, you're smart and I don't want to take care of you. I mean, like I do, but like, I want you to get out there and the Navy took care of me. So I'm going to sign you up without you knowing for the Air Force. So I got a call one Not day. Not like enlisted, enlisted. Like sign up for like interest. He, he didn't. Could. He didn't like he would throw have, you in a bag and say you're in the Air Force now. I guarantee, he if he could have, he would have. Probably would have tried. So I get a call from the Air Force, and after a brief conversation, we decided that it would be best for the country. If I did not join the Air Force. Yeah, you shouldn't get in a plane and fly uh, someplace. I shouldn't be in a position where there are people that have authority over me. Nor should you be able to drop bombs on stuff. Oh. See, it's just a bad idea all around. Yeah, no, that's that's very wise. I really like this quote from Stacia L. Brown um, from the Washington Post. And it's from an article that we'll talk about. Um, we can talk about in a minute. But she says... Um, Oh, and my whole synopsis was from Wikipedia. So, of course, Wikipedia. Donate to Wikipedia. Yeah, use it every day. Just give them a dollar. I mean, seriously, we use it literally every day. When do you not look something up from Wikipedia? Han was a 13-year-old Hollywood veteran when she became Judy Benjamin, an upscale, sudden widow with no marketable skills, who joins the army in a fit of grief-stricken caprice. I love that sentence. Han's years of experience showed there isn't a single scene in the film where she doesn't hold her own, even the ones the great Eileen Brennan all but steals. Frame for frame, Han proves that she's up for the challenge the script's rich material affords her. Even without a fancy kitchen. Mm -hmm. Uh, She didn't say that, I did. Whether losing her husband on her wedding night, jolting at the sound of her army's superior's barking commands, enduring hazing, or fending off an assault, Han manages to play each situation with both weight and wit. Yeah. Agreed. Accurate. Agreed. And she she's a really good performer comedically and dramatically. And this movie balances a lot of stuff that is really hard to balance in a movie. And most movies don't even try. And if they do, they don't do a great job at it. it it's funny. I mentioned earlier that financially this movie was like the Bridesmaids of its year in terms of how big a hit it was. And Bridesmaids is a good example. Like Bridesmaids was a comedy. And the comedic moments and comedic plot were the strongest and the dramatic stuff was way weaker and Kristen Wiig could not pull off the drama in that movie nearly as well as the comedy nor could the rest of the plot like the the comedy was where it basically hit the gas pedal and was on the straightaway and then the drama was just sucking the hills so this movie though Private Benjamin does a really impressive job at having sweet light comedy stuff um, with this, you know, ditzy character, like, learning to be, you know, independent in herself, but also genuine drama and emotion. Like, this woman realizing the the emotional abuse she's gone through, you know, dealing with stuff. There's a really impressively well done bit of editing at the wedding scene at the end. As she is having her the vows read to her and is thinking of stuff, she's standing next to Honoree, and they cut in those flashes of the other men in her life. Mm-hmm. And it's not done with... Oh, yeah, they cut in Yale, too. It's not done with any um, weird music or effects. There's no weird flashes. You still hear the sound in the room of the minister speaking and the wedding ceremony going on. And you just get flashes of, you know, it's a clips from earlier in the movie just cut in really well. But the way it hits, like, she's seeing her life flash before her eyes and realizing she's going to revert to the same thing she was. Mm-hmm. And it's and she realizes the pattern she's been creating in her life of giving over her will to all these controlling men. Her husband's, her father, her now soon-to-be next husband. And it's really well done for a comedy from 40 years ago. It's mm-hmm. very impressive, impressively done. Great editing and filmmaking in that. Way more than you would expect to see in a movie like this. And the fact that this movie can pull off such a serious moment like that and deliver on it, huge Huge. Mm-hmm. Really well Absolutely. done. Really well done. I've got a great article from TCM um, written by Emily Soares, and which sounds, I, Soares. Soars like a bird. Soars like a bird. It's not Soars like I have Soars. 
um, one thought that, but well, I was uh, gross. Anyway, um, I think I think for this movie, she may have had some parallels in her life. Her marriage was disintegrating. Her marriage to uh, Mark Hudson, who she um, who's the father of her kids, Oliver Hudson. What's up? And Kate Hudson. Hi. Um, I find Oliver Hudson handsome, but almost devoid of talent and charm. Have you seen him in anything? He was on that like CBS show, Rules of Engagement, for a billion years. Oh. He's just like a general handsome dude. Okay. He looks like a mannequin someone brought to life. I like him. Okay. He's dreamy. He's something. He's something. Again, I'm not saying he's not handsome. I'm just saying, in terms of performance, that was like or... a very that was a that was a very dramatic like statement you just made there. I find him completely devoid. Of... He is. He's just, just... like a, you see pictures of him. You're like, oh, cool. Someone animated that real doll. Like he's just. Oh my. He's just like a waxy human hey, person. When that happens, call me uh, for real. Call me. Jeez. <laughs> Where is my Jude, Jude Law, Law sex, sex robot? Yep. Okay. <laughs> I am just wrong. All right, so uh there's some there's some this article has some fantastic quotes and I'm going to read you some. She's pregnant with Kate Hudson while she is getting this movie together. Not doing the movie, she's not pregnant while she's doing the movie. You can tell she's this little teeny thing. Mark Shapiro wrote a book called Pure Goldie, The Life and Times of Goldie Hawn, and it says she was approached by a former script editor, Nancy Myers, with a story idea. It was for something called Private Benjamin. After reading the story outline, Hawn was... was, (laughs) Never mind. Hawn was hooked. She said, you write the damn thing, she said, and I'll produce it. That she was determined. You know, and I feel like that's kind of a Private Benjamin thing. Like, I'm going through this shit in my life. Yeah. I'm going to be independent and fucking produce a movie. Totally. And I've never done it before. Uh, That decision proved to be the easy part. The film, I'm going to kind of skip around. The film should have been an easy sell with the bankable Han attached, but getting a studio interested was a tough sell for a woman with strong ideas of how she wanted the film done. And she'd only star if she could executive produce it. In the beginning, the studio executives would pat her on the head. Yeah, that's uh, not great. Pat her on the head? Harvey Weinstein, go fuck yourself. Yeah, not great. To them, I was still the cute little Goldie, but the minute I stood up and had something to say, I became the bitch, Hans said in the Shapiro biography. I didn't plan on becoming producer. I only wanted to create better roles for myself, and I loved the idea of Private Benjamin so much that I felt it would be the perfect opportunity to finally control my own destiny. Hi. Sound familiar? Uh, A deal was finally struck during a fateful June 79 Warner Brothers meeting where she had to constantly excuse herself for bouts of morning sickness. And then she gave birth to Kate Hudson. Welcome, Kate Hudson. Oh, same year as my sister. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Okay. Yeah, June of... Wow. All right. That's... Yeah, same as Lindsay. Uh, Private Benjamin was close to Han's heart on a number of levels. As her relationship with Mark uh, Hudson grew increasingly strained, his career was at a standstill. Sorry, Mark. Han couldn't help but contemplate the struggles between independence and partnership faced by many women. Private Benjamin points up some very tough, hard-edged realities, she explained. My character isn't every woman. My God, I wish we all looked like her, but that's beside the point. <laughs> you are, honey, you're not an every woman. <laughs> I love you so much. Uh, she's been taught to be protected, spoiled, and taken care of. She's missed the revolution. She's the real unmarried woman, not the woman who walks away happy and in love. She walks alone, but strong. And this is, I think, uh, we talked about a, a very boomer movie. Um, yeah, because I mean, it's it's she's she's of she's that age, that she's generation. That age. She's right in that wheelhouse. I mean, boomers were in their you know thirties yep. when this came out. Like, yep. so they're dealing with a lot of this stuff and realizing that same generational shift. Yeah, I mean, it was normal to be daddy's girl and then your husband's wife and nothing in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, my mom is one of those women, and God bless, you know, she raised a great family. So Thank was my you. mom. Like my mom grew up uh, living obviously at home. When she went to college in Austin, she lived at home while she was there, and then while she was at college, met my dad, and then they got engaged, got married, then moved in with him. And it was not an uncommon thing. Yep. You know. Yep. I mean, and that was, and and I think um, that may be why we see so much divorce is because people didn't know each other when they got married they didn't know themselves when they got married i mean i was 32 when i got married i'd had plenty of time to know myself and i was like all right i know myself now where's my boy right 
And then I found him and I was like, get over here. Right. And he's like, oh, I, okay. She, she like catches me eating a box of frozen waffles. Like, what? Yeah. That's he, me. He's like, I live in California. I'm like, buy a ticket. Get right. your ass over here. Do they have frozen waffles in Texas? Okay, I'll move. I'm coming. I mean, I'm, okay. I'll cut that out. Thank you. <laughs> no, don't cut it out. Jeez. <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Han showed an uncanny talent for the business end of things in her first gig as a producer. I love this. She actually, um, she's the reason that all these great people joined. And she was also incredibly sensitive to the selection process and handpicked actors, even for the most minor roles, which showed. Yeah. Very much so. Um, she also would show up on set hours before the crew arrived and stayed long after to watch dailies and attend advertising and promotion meetings. I mean, she did not fuck around. This was her movie. She also went through six weeks of basic training at Fort Arthur, uh, Fort, ba, 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 Fort MacArthur. You got it. I can talk. California, face to face with a real life screaming drill sergeant, which zoics. Her director, Howard Zeef, who has done really nothing of note, um, he did this, appreciated Han the actress for her game professionalism. You don't have to work hard with people like Goldie around, he explained in Pure Goldie. When I would talk about the concept of a scene, she'd already be ahead of me. Well, I don't think that would have been hard. But you were going to say something about, like, working directors, just like... Oh, yeah, I mean, like... They're I not all up... Scorsese. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's easy to get carried away with the auteur theory that we all just subscribe to now that directors are all visionaries and creating works of art each time out, which dramatically not the case. It's a job job, you know? doesn't mean they don't bring skill to it. It's not like they don't know what they're doing behind the camera or how to, like, arrange and, you know, block scenes, tell a story on film. That's their job. Like, they get hired to do this on purpose. But you, whatever your job is that you're going to today or tomorrow... You might be really good at it. You might not be a visionary, but you're, you know, you're just doing your job. You're good at your job. That's it. You're not going to change the industry you're in or set the world on fire the way you do your job. You're just going to do it well and move on. So uh, that happens in the motion picture industry just like every other industry. So guys like Howard Zeef were like, hey, I make movies. I've made a few movies, and that's that's my job. You know? That's probably who she could afford. Exactly. Yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, no. We celebrate and hold up the directors who rise above and make those, like, crazy lasting works of art like Scorsese or something. Yeah. But so many of the movies you see are made by just normal directors, normal mm-hmm. filmmakers, mm-hmm. you know? Just a dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, Howard Zeef. By the time it was in uh, national distribution, Han was dealing with her final divorce from Hudson, which had to be really hard. But uh, of his work with Han on Private Benjamin, Armand DeSante, uh, short shorts. Jeez. Told Mark Shapiro, I never had the sense that what we were doing was work. It always seemed like play. I bet it did. What she may have been going through internally was another thing, but she managed to keep a real positive bubble in the atmosphere. Delicious. You didn't say that. I did. Um, Armand DeSante. Really? Delicious. Are you no, I mean, kidding me? I'll back up. I, of course, get it. I saw the movie. I've got eyes. I understand what's going on. But... Before seeing this movie, I never would have guessed. I bet at one point my wife thought Armand Asante was hot. I think Armand Asante's hot now. Today? Sure. I just looked him on Wikipedia. He looks like when you don't light a candle for a while and it's just old and waxy. Okay, show him to me. Okay, hold on. <laughs> it's not great. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Men age well, women age. Mm. Armand Asante. That's what he looks like right now. Okay, he's had too much work done. Yeah. He's making the okay. Zoolander face. Well, see, He's that's the problem. When in. men have work done, they look wrong. A man should mm-hmm. just age. Yep. Also, I do want to give another shout out to uh, Hal Williams, who played the uh, the drill sergeant. Oh, love him. Uh, he's best known for the, playing the police officer Smitty on Sanford and Son, and as Lester Jenkins, the husband of Marla Gibbs' character on 227. Oh, that's right! Hal Williams. I love 227! And his, his, his full name is Hal Roy. Hal Roy Candace Williams is his full name. He was born in 19-something or other. It's not even on Wikipedia. Wow. They don't have a lot about him. But he's been he's been working ever since. Work, well, He started off working as a postal officer, a postal worker, and a corrections officer 
before moving Damn. into Hollywood. So yeah, Hal Williams, working man. Shout out to him. Yeah, and his dancing skills. And 227. And 227, which is great. Yeah. I loved that show. I don't think it's like streaming Check on any um, US streaming platforms, but you know, get a VPN. Figure it out. Find some clips on YouTube. Yeah, just do your thing. You're fine. Yeah. Why are you giving us trouble? Yeah. We're just suggesting things for you. You don't have to be so bratty about it. Sorry. Ugh. So yeah, that's that's uh, Private Benjamin. That is the great Goldie Hawn. I'm glad this was your first Goldie Hawn movie. Solid one. I I want to show him. I won't. We won't do this for the show because I mean I won't put you guys through like a montage of Goldie Hawn. But I'm going to a have montage? to. Montage. You go sit in the corner. Bye, that, everybody. That was it for you. Bye. You're done. Remember me. <laughs> we will have a montage. God, I can't believe. You can't believe I said that. I can believe you Thank said you. that. Thank you. He has to see Overboard. He has to see Wildcats. He has to see Protocol. He has to see... The Banger uh, Sisters. The Banger Sisters, which I've seen so many times. The Out of Towners. You have... No, I didn't House see Sitter. That. House Sitter, you have to see... Sugarland Express. You have Express. to see Sugarland Express. You have to see um, The First Wives Club. Bird on a Wire. You have to see Bird on a Wire. No, you know what? I'm going to let you go on that one because it's Mel Gibson. Because he's a raging anti-Semite. Yeah. And fuck him. And fuck him. Yeah. You know, fuck him. Whatever. I'm a I'm crazy cop. No one gives a shit. Do your job. Yeah. You watch Lethal Weapon now and you're like, you're just a bad cop, man. Mm-hmm. Danny Glover was right to be upset at you the whole time. Indeed. You are reckless. Yeah. It's not going to work. No. Anyway. Um, yeah, so we've got um, we've got some good stuff coming up. Uh, next week is Daniel's Choice. I will be picking a movie for my wife, Tracy. That so. is moi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And let's do some hell yeahs. Let's do some hell yeahs. My hell yeah, uh, I will go first. I just finished a book called... Rude. Sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, was the whiplash. I just finished a book called Angel Baby by Richard Lang. He writes um, really cool little like thriller suspense novels. Um, they're not super long, but they're just like really great little plots and great stories. Um, and this one is about a, a young woman who was pressed into service basically as the wife of a drug cartel kingpin in Mexico and escapes. She pl- plots an escape and and breaks out one day and s- manages to steal like a, a backpack full of cash and get on the run because she wants to go reunite with her baby daughter who's back in the States. And so it becomes this story of the cartel kingpin's pursuit of her, the uh, coyote service she hires to get across the border and the guy that is making the run and the friendship they develop the people that get pulled in to try and find her the crooked cops on both sides of this that are trying to like get the money or double cross each other or double cross the drug kingpin and it's a really cool tight uh, propulsive story like a really good page turner um it's just it's a really solid novel uh, richard lang he also wrote one a few years ago i read called the smack that was good too but if you're looking for like a good crime you know, page turner with some uh, really good writing and really good sentences and good characters. I would recommend Angel Baby by Richard Lang. That sounds like it's going to be made into a movie or a mini series. It so on Netflix. could be. Wait, it is a movie on Netflix. Probably. It so could be. But <laughs> oh yeah, check it out. It's a good read. Um, my hell yeah is Game Nights. I think that everybody should indulge in game nights with their friends. We had one last night Mm -hmm. um, in celebration of our wonderful friend Brian's birthday. He's not 40. Yeah. Um, You were way off. (laughs) You're like, it's his 40th, right? He's like, no. (laughs) He was very offended. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) I love him so much. I've known him for so long, and he's such a wonderful man, and his wife is such a wonderful woman. And I'm not, and here's, he's so nice and such a good guy that he's 37, and he still has a full head of hair, and I like him. I still like him. Yeah. I don't resent him at all. That's how nice he is. No. I was staring at the top of his head last night, and I was like, that fucker still got all his hair. Yeah. It's thick and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. But I love him. That's how nice he is. You do love him. You do love him. And I love Tears and I love his wife. She's great. Great people. So the blocks through a great game night. And let me tell you, we've gone to many, many a game night at our friends, uh, Sonia and Carl's. And there's just something about everybody getting together. There's a big stack of games. You pick one, a bunch of people. Oh, it sounds good. I'll do that one. Oh, it sounds good. People break into weird groups 
and you play a game you've never played before or you play a game that you've played a million times and everyone's ragging each other and laughing and and you eat everything in the house and yeah dinner was carbs that was dinner it was so good i think no fucking regrets i think that that between um my friend aaron and i we ate two loaves of challah bread just ourselves it was fine hey hey, uh i will claim my fair share of the dent i put in that okay well that was legit bonkers um anyway i think that we all need those those nights where you're not having to go out and organize something at a restaurant where you only get to talk to the person next to you. No one likes those anyway. Um, you're not having to go to a bar where everyone's yelling and it's just like you can't hear and maybe you don't drink or maybe you don't want to drink or whatever. This was bring the beer you like to drink or bring the whatever you like to drink and there was tons of food and just hang out. Yeah. Game nights. And we had a great time, like we always have at game nights. And I just, I encourage you guys to to try those out because it reminded me, honestly, of my birthday parties and parties I used to have growing up because my house was a no alcohol zone. My parents were not cool as it as it were um so they were responsible parents exactly they didn't want their teenage child drinking at their house well exactly but most of my parents friends were not that way um so kids knew that when they came to my house my parents were going to be there um they could play nintendo with my brother they could play ping pong with my dad they could watch star wars they could whatever it was just going to be a place where you could be chill you could be yourself you didn't have to put on any sort of airs and you didn't have to be dressed up and you could just hang. And I love it. So that's my hell yeah. Yeah, game nights. Have one. Game nights. Buy a board game. Meet some strangers. Play a game. It really is fun. It really is super fun. I played a, a game with a great guy in a tuxedo. Yeah. Um, and, um... Baccarat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh... And uh, so, yeah, that's that's my hell yeah. And um, I'm I'm looking forward to next week to see what you show me. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Read a book. Play a game. Have some fun. Read a book. Play Those a are game. hell yes. Yeah, those are our hell yes. Yeah. So we're going to play us out with yeah. something cool. Mm-hmm. Probably We Are Family. I guess so. Yeah, that'd be a good one. That'd be a really good one. I'll find something that's good. from the... Yeah. Anyway, uh, love you guys. Yeah. And have a fantastic week ahead. And we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.